You know, one of my favorite phrases is bloom where you are planted. It's really nestled around the perspective of making the best of where you are. But I will tell you to do that effectively, you have to develop the skill of being resourceful, resourceful in your relationships, resourceful in your time and resourceful in your work. When you have the ability to take full advantage of what you have at your disposal, then you can begin to bloom and blossom right where you are. We have a great conversation lined up for you today, and I cannot wait to get into it. So let's do that. Let's get into it. For the longest time, I secretly wanted more. I often found myself shrinking to fit in, settling for what was comfortable, and even selling myself short. Once I finally accepted that we deserve success and we are blessed with the power to achieve it, I stopped playing small. I'm serious about building a life I love, and you should be too. I'm Denise Taylor of DeniseTaylor.live and welcome to Embrace Your Power. I help women prioritize themselves, their success, and their happiness. Now let's meet this week's achiever whose story will inspire you to embrace your power and go. Well, hello there. It's Denise Taylor here. You already know I'm excited to have you join me here on Embrace Your Power. I say that each and every week because it is true. This is the place where you can always count on me to encourage you to build a life that you love. You see, around these parts, we believe that God has given us the power to do it. And when we embrace our power, we can be, do, have, and achieve anything that we want. Now, I always say, I believe you're going to be divinely inspired to go after the things that God wants to partner with you to accomplish. But when you do that, the benefit is all yours. You are going to experience satisfaction and fulfillment on the inside that is going to light you up. And that is what I want for you. I want you to experience what it's like to be lit up. Now, we are well into our season two episodes. And in season two, we have doubled down on your career success. Now you may say, Denise, you were just talking about building a life that I love. So please tell me how my career fits in with that. Well, the reality is a lot of our attention and focus is devoted to our professional experiences. And so in order for us to build a life that we love, we have to experience success in our careers. And so in this season, I have invited some incredible women to join me on the podcast. And we have been having some dynamic conversations. You see, early on in the season, I encouraged you to get a journal and label it Embrace Your Power because I knew that there was so much wisdom being shared in each and every one of these conversations. Wisdom that is almost like a masterclass. And so if you haven't taken it 
advantage of these great conversations from my guests that I've been featuring, I invite you to go back to the start of season two. We started season two in June of this year, and we have had such great guests each and every week on the podcast. And so make sure you take full advantage of that. Now, I do want to just kind of take a bit of a time out to plug the diligent efforts that we've been making to show up and make this podcast available to you. We are well beyond 130 episodes. In fact, I think this is episode 132 officially. And so that is such a huge achievement. I was reading some stats on podcasts and I want to just give you a perspective of how big of a deal that is. 12% of the podcasts that are started only have one episode. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts that never get past the very first episode. The second statistic that I think is very in interesting is that half of all of the podcasts never get beyond 14 episodes. And as I just shared with you, we are at episode 132. So that is such a big deal. Now, here's what I would like for you to do in honor of this commitment that I have made to show up week after week for you. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, wherever you're listening, hit the subscribe button for me. That would be such an encouragement to me. Hit the subscribe button so that I show up in your lineup each and every week. The second thing that would be such a big help to all of our efforts is if you would take time to rate and review the podcast. So if you're listening in a space where there's an opportunity for you to give a rating, go ahead and hit five stars. If there's an opportunity for you to leave a review, go ahead and let me know how you've enjoyed. And if there is an opportunity to just give it a thumbs up, please do that. That response is going to help us with our outreach. It's going to help the algorithms to listen in and know that something good is happening here and share it out to other listeners. This has been such an incredible journey. And when I really took in that we were at 132 official episodes, I knew that I wanted to celebrate that with you and I wanted to ask for your support. So please hit the subscribe button and rate and review. Now, if you're new around these parts, I want to share with you our strategies for success. I share them every week because I want to energize you going for the success that you want to have happen in your life. There are five success superpowers that I believe will help you to achieve any goal that you're looking to bring to pass. Success superpower number one is see yourself successful. Once you begin to envision your success, you have a goal in mind that you can pursue from your heart. Success superpower number two is shake off fear. And this is a natural response. Fear is a natural response to anything that is a big deal 
heal. And so we have to be able to go back to the truth of who God said we are and what he said we could do. And we can shake off fear and continue our pursuit. Success superpower number three is do the work. This is so important because you got a role to play. It does not just happen. You've got to put your hand to the plow, but guess what? You got to promise God said that he would bless the work of your hand. Success superpower number four is take care of you. And this is so critically important. This is how you go the distance. You've got to take care of every aspect of yourself, not just the superficial, but the deep parts too. And success superpower number five is hold fast to your faith. Anytime you hit a challenge or obstacle, it is so important for you to have faith to cling to so that you can persevere. Now, those are the strategies for success. Now, if you are new here and you want more and you want to understand more about them, then I want to invite you to go to my website, embraceyourpower.live. At that website is an ebook that you can download that has the superpowers available for you and shares more. Now, I'm so excited about our guest today. She is in the lineup of some incredible women who have graced this virtual stage and shared such amazing wisdom. I cannot wait for you to hear this incredible conversation that I had with Jennifer. But before we get into that, let me tell you more about her. Jennifer D. McLean is a distinguished community development leader and nonprofit executive with a successful history of managing teams and supporting community focused organizations. Jennifer has spent over two decades honing her craft as a facilitator. She has led sessions with over 800 participants since 2013. Jennifer was acknowledged as a noteworthy leader by Crane's Chicago Business and as the Senior Director of Economic Opportunity, Wealth Building, and Leadership Development. She leads efforts around programming and funding strategies. Jennifer is also the CEO and founder of Mission Inspire LLC, where she equips women, nonprofits, and faith-based organizations to define their purpose and operate at their fullest potential. She holds a Bachelor of Science degree in computer science from Dillard University, and she also holds an MBA and MPA from the Keller Graduate School of Management. In addition to that, she had a host of other credentials and acknowledgments as well, and I enjoy Enjoy every moment of my incredible conversation with her. So let's get into that and I'll see you on the other side. So I'm really excited to have Jennifer join me so that we can unpack more about her experience. And what I'm really keen on for this conversation is she has such great experience in the nonprofit space. And so I think we'll be able to discover some great nuggets, both from a career and industry perspective. So Jennifer, I want to welcome you to Embrace Your Power. And why don't you take a couple minutes to introduce yourself in your own words and briefly walk us through your professional career. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to join you today. So um, as Denise said, I'm Jennifer McClain. 
I am a social impact leader. I've been in the nonprofit space my full career, so over 20 years. Um, I am a senior director at a national nonprofit where we do, we bring resources into under-resourced communities. Um, so a little about my career journey. So I am a Chicagoan born and raised. Um, I went to a boarding school in Mississippi for high school, Pinewood School, where happens to be only one of few historically Black boarding schools left in the country. So if you never heard of it, look it up, Pinewood School. Um, and I went to undergrad in New Orleans, um, Diller University. I got my bachelor's in computer science. I came home and I tried to get a job and it did not go well. I could not find a job um, with my bachelor's degree in computer science. So I paused for a little bit because I graduated in May and I had a daughter in August. And so I got my first real job in March of the following year. So March of 99 was my first real job. I worked for um, Abraham Lincoln Center, which is a social service agency in the city of Chicago. Um, and my job was with Bridges to Work. My church was bringing this church, this program into the South Suburbs. And the program was really focused on supporting um, mothers that were receiving TANF to get the skills that they need to kind of get the job. So hence the name Bridges to Work. And so I was brought on to be the intake specialist and to do information specialists since I had the, the degree in computer science. And so I worked at Abraham Lincoln Center for um, about six or so years. While I was there, I went back to school to get my MBA because I thought that was the thing to do, to get me a job, to make the big money. Because at that time, I had two kids, single parent with two daughters to raise. And while my income was good, it was I was struggling. And so I was like, well, let me go back to school, get this MBA, and then I can, you know, get another job, um, make it more money in the for-profit sector. That was the goal, go to for-profit and make a lot of money. That didn't work out. And so um, I actually left Abraham Lincoln Center for a little bit, worked for the government, actually in the Internal Revenue Service as an intern in their criminal investigation arm. And so I did that for about six months. And then I went to the training facility in Georgia, stayed there for 30 days and was like, yep, it's not for me. Right. So I came back home and I called Abraham Lincoln Center to see if they had anything for me to come back. They knew who I was. They knew about my work. And so they actually were starting this new program called Center for Working Families. And they thought I would be a good fit because it was a workforce development program focused on financial stability for individuals. And so I was brought in on that program. And after being there for about, I would say a year, um, I was asking the people that ran the program, I was asking like, well, can I get a report for this? Can I get a report for this? Can I get a report for this? Right, because I was like the data manager and they had connected with the funder and said, you need to have a conversation with this young lady because she kind of thinks differently. And so the funder actually works at my current organization um, list. And so had a conversation with her. After a few conversations, she was like, are you interested in doing some work with Lisk? I can't bring you on full time now, but would you be interested in being a consultant? Um, at that time, they were looking at expanding that model more broadly 
in Chicago. So I was brought on to help with that. Six months after that, I was able to come on and list full time to work on the expansion of the model in Chicago, but also nationally. And so that started my term, my time at list um, in 2007, focused on, you know, this model and the expansion of it. And so fast forward 16 years, um, I'm still at list. Um, I'm doing work on that model primarily in Chicago, but also I'm seen as an expert around the country. So as they bring on new sites, new list staff. They always reach out to me to have conversations with them to kind of tell them my lessons learned and what I've learned. Um, and so started at LISC as a consultant. Um, uh, when I was came on full time, I was a program officer and now I'm a senior director. Awesome. You know, um, listening to you kind of walk through that journey, there's a couple of things that stick out to me. And one is your willingness to pivot and shift. Um, and I know a lot of people will hit that spot that you did, which is, this is not for me. I just made a move to get here, but I'm beginning to recognize it's not something that's a good fit for me. But they don't necessarily take action the way that you did to pivot or shift out of it to get back to something that feels better or more right for them. I think that was very courageous of you. What kind of inspired that courage to take the reins of your career and say, you know what, I think I need to regroup because you had a ton of responsibilities. I mean, at that point, you were a single mom. And a lot of times that holds people in place. Uh, you had made a big decision. You had some moves even involved in that. Um, so what gave you the courage to say, it's not a fit, so let me regroup? So a couple things. One, <clears throat> ultimately my faith, really. So really um, staying prayerful and really just having conversations with God about, you know, direction and what I should do. So that's one thing, my faith, but then family and friends. I remember when I was making a decision to come back home because I was in Georgia, right? And I was talking to one of my friends that I went to college with. And I was like, I really don't like this place. I don't think this place is for me, but I can't really come home now because I really, I didn't have money to come home. I was like, I need this job and different things like that. And she was like, well, you shouldn't stay there. If, it was a, it's a, if it's a money thing, right? I will help you get home, right? And so that, that her, her, offering that to help me actually give me cash money so that I can get home because I was just going to stay there so I can continue to get a check until I accumulated enough between paying bills and having enough to you know come that and then my family because my kids were in my family and so I had a conversation with my aunt and I was just like I just don't think this is right for me and she was like you know prayed about it it's not right for you come home and we'll figure out what we need to do and I was like well what about these kids and they gotta eat and they need all these things and my kids went to private school and so she was like well figure it out so between my faith my family friends that is what gave me the courage to kind of okay say you know it's gonna be all right we'll figure it out come back home and um do that plus I am I'm talented right at that time, I didn't know I was. I, I know that now, right? And so, you know, I would find something because I have skills. I have things to give in an organization to help that organization grow. 
That's awesome. I love that commitment from your tribe, from your your circle. I love how they showed up for you in that moment. And that's that's an incredible blessing. Now you've spent a number of years now in the nonprofit space. Um, so you have an affinity for it. So tell me a little bit about why you enjoy doing this type of work. Um, so in the beginning, it was necessity. It was a job. Right. And I remember my boss at the time, he was, he had an MBA. He had worked at Arthur Anderson and um, like done all these different things. And I was like, you, you, you need to help me find a job. And he was like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to make some money. What do you mean what I want to do? I want to make some money. And he was like, the money will come. You have to figure out what you really want to do. And I was like, yeah, you say that because you got money right now. Fast forward probably about five or six years later, I understood that, right? So once I understood that my journey, my career path was in nonprofit because that is where I could give my skills, my talents for the betterment of the community, for the betterment of the organizations we partner with, for the betterment of the staff. Like once I got comfortable with that, I'm like, okay, this is the place for me. And then also I went back to school to get another master's in public administration once I realized that nonprofit was my home, right? So I got a master's in public administration with a concentration in nonprofit management. So really learning um, the, the, the knowledge and skills related to that. Did I need that? Not necessarily, but I wanted to get it, right? Because I'm a lifelong learner, right? And so... Um, that is kind of why I stay, but then also just, I've been able to see this program grow from a need expressed in the community to implementing and adopting and working with well over 60 some organizations to take this model, make it their own for the benefit of their organization and the people they serve. Mm -hmm. And so that is why I've decided to stay in nonprofit. I have dabbled in being on a board. So I was on a board once. I'm looking at joining another board. And so I got some learning the first time around. So I'll take that learning as I figure out which board I will jo join in the future. And so I think I answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. That That's really powerful. And if I look back in my experience, I too started at show me the money, you know, <laughs> that that when, when you have a certain upbringing, um, that's just a natural thing you gravitate to. And I know my upbringing was very urban. It was very, uh, very much so about how you showing up, what you have. And so show me the money was a natural thing that I gravitated to as well. And thankfully for me, and it sounds like for you too, it took us to space and among people who were able to give us some guidance beyond just saying, how can I hustle up strong? But how can I begin to also walk in purpose? And one of the things I think that's very interesting about your career and mine as well is that you have a number of years within the same organization. Now, in today's marketplace, you see a lot of people who are working a couple years here and a couple years there. And I understand that strategy fully because you can accelerate your compensation when you make moves that way. But tell me a little bit about 
the advantage that you perceive there being when you are with an organization for a longer period of time and how you think that has benefited you? Um, I will say, so when I started this organization, my goal was to stay until my uh, retirement accounts were vested. So one was three years, one was five. And I was like, I'm five years and I'm out of here. I'm going to the next place because I also had a boss to say, you spend a year learning a job, you spend a year doing the job. And then the next year you're looking for your next thing, right? So three years, right? And so, um, but what has been able to be helpful or beneficial for me by standing this organization this long is A, um, I've been able to grow as a professional, as a woman, as a mother, based on colleagues and conversations with other individuals and relationships, right? But then also I've been able to see the organization grow. And then also I've been able to see the involvement of the partners that we work with, right? So seeing an organization that when we started working with them, their budget may have looked like this to an organization whose budget has tripled, doubled or even tripled, right? Um, and so I think the benefit is you get to grow as an individual, but you also get to see the organization grow and you get to be a part of that growth. Mm -hmm. um, so those are some of the things that I've seen uh, related to being an organization um, so long. Okay. That's, that's incredible. I love that. I know for myself, when I was with my company um, um, earlier in my career, and I had been there for 15 years, I used to always tell people I felt I was a poster child for how to have a diverse career at one place, because some people have this perception that you just kept doing the same thing this entire time. And so I love how you keyed in on the value of your growth and your potential within the organization, especially your case coming in as a consultant and then matriculating to higher levels to oversee um, budgets and oversee how things get invested in teams and that sort of thing. And so I love how we're dispelling that, but at the heart of it, it takes the same thing you exhibited early in your career, which is taking ownership, right? And understanding how you want it to navigate. How do you want to have different experiences within that place and what you value? And so I really, really love that. Now, as a part of your journey, and I don't know if it's with the company that you're at or your prior experience, but you had this one role move where you went into management and you were promoted without any training. Um, and it was a little difficult because you found yourself in a managing position of resources and people, and it was completely new for you. How did you navigate that uncertainty of being promoted, but not supported? Um, so I'm going to give you two examples. So the first time it happened, it wasn't at this organization. It was at my prior organization and I was much younger. And I think about, um, what I did, right. And I cringe at what I did, right. So I had this, um, this, uh, command and control posture where I'm the boss. You're going to do what I say because I'm the boss, Right. And that was totally wrong, <laughs> totally wrong, totally wrong, right? So looking at the second time that I that, that happened to me, my current organization still didn't get training to do it, but now I'm further along in my career and I've seen different 
kind of management styles, leadership styles. And I'm like tweaking things to work with um, what I perceive as being a good good manager, being a good boss, being a good supervisor, being a good leader, right? And um, what happened the second time in my organization, I got promoted in late 2014. And then in early 2015, I heard about this leadership development program. I applied for it and got into it in the fall. So I was able to, within the first year of being into a um, director's role, um, participate in a leadership development program that was pivotal for my career as well as for my leadership. That's awesome. And so tell me some of the things that came out of that leadership development program and how that really bolstered up your experience, because you got some good things out of that program. And I'm also curious, did your company pay for that or is that something you paid for? So this program was free. So it was great because it was free and my company didn't have to pay for it. Now, how my company paid for it was in time. And so this this program was, I went to four three-day in-person sessions. So that was three days where I was out the office really invested in this program. And so, and I can't, I can't remember back like in 2015 if I had, like my work email on my cell phone and stuff like that. So, you know, they really encourage you to really focus and be in the program and not check emails and stuff on your break. But we were all leaders, so we all needed to do stuff like that. And so just a little background about the program. It's a joint, it was a joint program between Allstate Foundation and Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management. So what was great about the program was the many different components, like top tier instruction from Kellogg professors on topics like brave leadership, emotional and social com competency, leadership communications, conflict resolution and negotiations, leadership and action. And that was just in the first session, right? They also gave us the opportunity to do a 360 assessment so we can learn about our strengths and the areas that we need to work, work on. We also got assigned an executive coach and also professional development um, dollars. And so that was uh, an amazing program, got a lot of learning. And so the professors were like theories, but also practical, right? Sometimes you get the theory, but you don't get, well, how do I apply this theory that you told me about? Mm -hmm. They gave us theory, but also gave us practical. And so there was a lot of knowledge that we got and of course, it's a lot, so you can't implement a lot. But I, certain things come to me at times where I'm like, huh, let me go back to that um, that reading that they gave us or that PowerPoint that they went through these things. And let me see if I can learn how to do something based on what I knew we went over. That's awesome. Now, I guess the question I would have for you now is what recommendations would you have for people whose leadership is not willing to or even able to invest in them with time or even with resources? So I get this question a lot, unfortunately. Um, and so the first thing I do is recommend finding free stuff. So that's the first thing I do. And then the second thing I recommend is um, for those that have the resources to cover themselves, to look for the programs that fit in their budget 
But then also asking about scholarships. Sometimes people have scholarships. They may not publicize them. You never know unless you ask. Mm -hmm. um, and so I encourage people to do that. And then also kind of having conversations with people around um, if you see somebody post about a particular program or different things like that is um, ask them about it. The the I went through a leadership development program for Black women and I found out about it from a colleague that had posted on LinkedIn. So I sent her a message and was like, can we chat about this program? Um, and so, um, and I actually was going to pay for the program on my own. But as I was talking to my boss about me getting in the program and I was just saying, um, I'm just going to pay for it. She was like, well, how much it costs? And I told her, she was like, we can cover that. And so, you know, sometimes it's just around asking. But in those cases where you ask, they say no. And it's important to you is figuring out the free stuff and then asking about scholarships mm -hmm. or, or subsidies, like ways to assist with that. I love that your, your manager stepped in and acknowledged they had resources available. And I try to share with people all the time that typically organizations have dollars set aside for training and development of everyone. Um, sometimes they get allocated to something else. Sometimes they hold on to them to take it to the bottom line. But a lot of people who are individual contributors don't understand the budgeting that takes place. And there are typically dollars in there for development that you can go and ask for, for things, especially if it's in line with your professional development. And so that was a good thing that you called out there. Now, one of the things you had mentioned to me is that your organization is in implementing a sponsorship program. Tell me more about the, the sponsorship program that you're now uh, selected to take a part of and how you perceive that's going to be valuable to you. So um, I think uh, I'm looking at the dates again to see. I think this is something... I'm actually a part of our Black and African-American affinity group. So that's affinity group for Black employees. And one of our recommendations to the organization was a sponsorship program. And they took the recommendation and finally implemented. And so a sponsorship program is similar to mentorship, but it's different in that in mentorship, it's all around, you know, you get assigned to somebody that generally is at a higher level than you. They kind of walk the journey that you want to walk. And so they are taking a stance of I've done this. So here's my advice. This is how you should do it. Um, a sponsor will do that. And the sponsor is advocating for you based on um, them being in rooms that you are not based on them hearing about opportunities that may be a good fit for you, making connections to their network to help you in your career growth, right? And so my organization created a sponsorship program to help with succession planning to ensure that as upper level leadership opportunities become available in the company, there are individuals that in the company that are ready to move into those seats because they've been through this kind of, you know, structured. Our program is 18 months. Um, we filled out this survey to say what we wanted to focus on. And then we got matched to a, men, a, to, to a sponsor. And it, it's just now starting. We actually just started it last month. And so we're in the very early stages of it. 
I love that. I love the intentionality of your organization with the employee resource groups too, and how there are some actionables coming out of the um, the commitment, because sometimes it almost just seems like rhetoric, right? Like it's something really happening as a response to that. But um, it sounds like they are moving forward with some initiatives and programs. And I think that that is completely delightful. And I, I hope that you seize that. One of the things I do want people to understand, though, is forging relationships and partnerships and ally relationships and advocating for yourself is just as powerful as a scripted program that an organization can offer. And so some of that, while they may open that door, if you don't take advantage of it and have the right kind of skill sets for the opportunity they are presented in that program, you can still miss out. So you still have to know how to articulate your goals, how to speak up for yourself, how to make sure that they understand what you bring to the table. And I love that they're creating a gateway, but we still have ownership to show up in that fully. And I know one of the things that you personally have taken on is mentoring relationships um, yourself. Some that have been defined by your company, as well as some that have just naturally formed for you. So tell me a little bit about being a mentor and what's involved and how you manage those types of relationships yourself. So um, for me, mentoring is uh, something that I do because I have been mentored. So I feel like it's important that I also reach back and support people in their career growth, growth, because that is what happened for me. And so as a mentor, what I try to do is at the beginning of the relationship is um, setting up agreements around the goals of the relationship, around how often we're going to meet, around, you know, the agendas for the meeting, right? And the mentorship relationship is really on the mentee and I make that clear, like, I am not going to be reaching out to meet with you. I am not going to, you know, uh, follow up on, unless I said I would follow up, right? Um, this is your mentoring relationship. And all of my mentees, for the, for the most part, have done that. And so there's, you know, our structured program at our organization that I've had, I'm on my third and fourth um, mentee through that program mm -hmm. but like my mentee from like two years ago he's so funny I was saying you know I got two mentees and two new mentees and he was like what you mean you got two me you know I'm not going nowhere right like I am your mentee for life and I was like well I'm learning from you and so it's not so you know that's really the end result of a good mentoring relationship is that you all are still connected and so my experiences with the two, um, the times when I was a mentee, I still can reach out to those mentors and just say, can I check in? Can I ask your advice about something? Can I, you know, um, chat with you? And so as a, a mentor, I try to kind of mirror that and then also, you know, be available. So we may have our structured meeting times, but I also say, 
if you need to reach out to me in between those, please feel free to do so. You don't have to wait. Like if we're meeting only once a month, you don't have to wait till next month if you need some assistance before that time. And then I have like one unofficial mentee happens to be a, a young lady um, in her early 20s that I met like a year and a half ago. And so we we talk regularly, monthly. Um, and then when I'm in her city, I really try to go have dinner or lunch or something with her. Um, since we're not in the same location, I want to get that opportunity for us to have FaceTime when I can. Um, and so really just listening. I think that's the best skill as a mentor is listening to the needs of your mentee and then supporting them in the best way you can. And sometimes that is that is giving advice. Sometimes that's pushing them for them to give their own self-advice because they may know the answer. You know, as a coach, that's what I do. I don't give advice. Um, but when I'm in a mentor, because that person has come to me for advice, I have a different hat that I wear. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, that's that's how I go about being a mentor. I love that. I love that. But and and I agree. And sometimes it's hard for people to grasp the whole perspective of I'm not chasing you to be your mentor. This is something you have to make up in your mind you want to come get. And you see some people who gravitate and do well with it. And you see some people who don't. But when you're aspiring to get something from someone, it's on you to come get it. And so I love that perspective and it resonates with me. Now, I was thinking back. Can I add one other thing about that? Also, I go into the, the mentoring relationship with, like, I'm going to learn something too, which I always do. So it's not just about um, them learning from me. I'm going to learn from my mentee as well. Oh, absolutely. It's sharpening your skills and, and, and it's actually giving you exposure. And in the cases where you're mentoring somebody younger, it definitely is educating you on thought process and, you know, just different ways of showing up and doing things. And so it's very, very valuable um, from both ways. And so I, I agree with you on that point as well. So thanks for that clarification. So where I was going next with it is um, I was thinking back to our conversation prior to getting on today, and you made a statement that I really found very curious. And so I want you to unpack it a little bit for me. You said you don't manage people, you manage time and resources. Um, and that's a clear differentiation. Help me understand a little bit more about the difference from your perspective. And so this is one of those things that I learned in that first leadership development program that stayed with me. And it was like, I had an aha moment with that. And I was like, oh, that is so helpful. And so it's, you know, I lead people and I manage time and resources. So I work with adults. I work with individuals that have um, performed, have been in the industry for a while, even, even if I don't, right? We all know we have a job to do and what it takes to do that job. And so what I do is manage resources. So I manage the money, I manage relationships, I manage um, opportunities, um, I manage time. So thinking about well, what are our goals through the end of this year? What are the things we need to do next year? I lead people to do the work, right? So as the leader, I'm setting the, the vision, I'm setting the strategy, and I'm supporting my team to carry it out. Now, when I first started, 
Like I'm a task person. I'm task oriented. I want to get things done. I had a huge problem with delegation. Still got a problem with that today. It's something I'm always dealing with, right? But as a leader, you can't do everything, right? That's what you have a team for. Now, sometimes you have to do if you don't have like a huge team. So sometimes you have to do, but you think about, okay, does it make sense to delegate this or does it make sense for me to do this, right? And so um, I am leading my team for them to be their best selves and for them to deliver on the actions that they are assigned to get done. And when they're stuck, they know to reach out to me to say, um, I'm stuck here. What kind of help to, can I give? And I take the approach of using my coaching and my leadership so much so my staff member one time will say, sometimes will say, don't coach me, just tell me what to do, <laughs> right? And so really it's just about leading people so that they can do they can do their job mm -hmm. and um, making adjustments. Unfortunately, when people can't do their job, you know, making the necessary adjustments. So one of the other things that someone said in that leadership program as a leader, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And sometimes you have to make uncomfortable decisions, but as a leader, you have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And um, that's when you know that you truly have crossed over into leadership is when you find yourself having to navigate through making those difficult decisions and leading the team through those difficult circumstances. Um, it definitely pulls out strong and strength qualities within you when you find yourself in that in that space. And so I love that clarification because um, I'll be completely honest. I was like, what she means? She don't manage people. You lead people. And so I agree with you 100%. And that was one of the reasons why I asked the question like, okay, she's going to have to clean this up for me a little bit. And you did. All right. So um, you mentioned managing significant budgets. Anytime you got an M on the back of a budget, that's significant. <laughs> so um, what's important when you oversee dollars at that level? Millions of dollars is a lot to oversee and be responsible for. So what's important when you're overseeing dollars at that level? One thing is important is, is uh, deciding what's the best use of the money, what's going to have the most impact. Um, that's important along with like, how are you going to continue to have these dollars come in the door? Like, unfortunately, uh, uh, working in nonprofits is like the um, hamster wheel. Like you get some money in, you have to continue to get that money in to continue to do the work, right? And so really, um, thinking about the impact you want to make and the resources that you need to make that impact, but then also managing those resources. So, you know, at the beginning of the, well, around this time is when we do our budgeting for next year. So budgeting around, these are the things that we want to get done next year. But then also once you create those budgets, checking in regularly to say, are we on track with our money and with the impact that we want to make. And if we aren't, how do we need to shift? How do we need to pivot? And so constantly looking at that to kind of make those adjustments. And then also deciding on what opportunities you take and what opportunities you don't, which is not like in the nonprofit space, sometimes we get caught in that trap of just following the money. Like 
this money is available, I'm going to do this. This money is available, I'm going to do this. That's how you get mission creep. But people creeping off their mission because they are chasing the dollars. So have to be intentional with understanding which opportunities will fit into your mission so you can achieve the vision um, related to the values that you have for your organization. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I love that. I love the whole framework of mission creep too, because that can get really real. And before you know it, you can start to spiral behind that. So I love the intentionality that you bring to the table with overseeing those funds. Another thing that stuck out to me that you said that I actually, um, I find impressive because a lot of times leaders can rest on their laurels is that you're very intentional about investing in yourself. Um, you shared that you are intentional about training and conferences and programs. Why is this a priority for you and what inspires that desire within you? I think I have a belief that I can always do better. There's always room for me to grow. There's always room for me to learn. And the only way I'm going to do that is by doing these different things, doing training, going to conferences, um, being in programs, but also being intentional about which opportunities to take and really thinking, reflecting on, okay, how is this going to serve me? What's the benefit? Um, and then also, also think about that question you asked about when people are unable to get their leaders to agree to these things, thinking about what's the impact of your organization. That's the way, if you frame it in the way, well, if I go to this program, this is the, the direct ROI that the organization is going to see because I went through this program. And so that's the other thing I think about is like the return um, for myself, but also for my company. Cause I'm always, I'm a sharer. I'm a resource sharer. I'm always sharing resource so much. So I tell people like, when you tell me you looking for something, I'm going to send it to you. I had to tell me to stop. Like I have a, a, a colleague of mine, um, she was like, man, I'm looking for new books. And so whenever I see a post on LinkedIn about book listings or recommendations of books, I'm always sending this to her. And I told her, I was like, you need to tell me when you had enough <laughs> because then I'll stop. And so like the information is not only for me, but I'm going to share the information as well because I'm about, I'm a sharer. Thank you for being a conduit. Um, you're actually helping people get to the point where they can begin to shine, where they can begin to embrace their power. Um, we are blessed to be a blessing, which means it is supposed to flow through us. Um, and so when you're showing up to pass off what you're learning or what you're exposed to or what you have insight on or even what you just have line of sight to, you are dispensing blessings. And that's exactly what we've been created to do. So thank you for showing up in that way. Now you have a passion um, and now you're starting to offer some coaching services to leaders at um, all levels within nonprofit space. So tell us more about the coaching that you're spinning up and starting to do as well. Um, so interesting that the, the first leadership development program, I mentioned that we had an executive coach. So my executive coach in one of our sessions, I was just talking about all the different things that I like to do and really just talking about the coaching and the training and facilitation and support nonprofits. And he was like, well, what if, what's that, what if that's your business? And I was like, 
my business. I'm not no entrepreneur. What are you talking about? Right. And that was like 2016. And so in 2020, in 2020, I started thinking, I think it might be time for me to do a business. And so in um, January of 2022, Mission Inspire was birthed. And my desire to launch that organization grew from the coaching and training that I've been fortunate to receive during my career in the nonprofit sector. So Mission Inspire supports women, nonprofit professionals, and faith-based and nonprofit organizations define their, define their purpose and operate at their fullest potential through coaching, consulting, training, and facilitation. INSPIRE is an acronym that stands for Envision New Solutions and Possibilities that Inspire Results and Empowerment. Very nice. I love that. And I love the seed he planted and how it germinated and took took root and showed up in your life as it continued to blossom. And so I think that that is absolutely powerful. And it also leverages so much of what you do and so much of what you know. And so I imagine you're going to have such great success as it continues to grow. One of the things I love about your story, though, is your ability to recognize change and evolution in yourself as a leader. And so when you consider that, tell me what makes you proud of yourself. Oh, well, I'm proud of a lot, but I'll highlight a few. So I'm proud of the woman that I am and the work that I've done to become the woman that I am. I'm also proud of the impact that I've been able to have throughout my career, particularly with the organizations that we partner with and the work that I do with the staff of these organizations. As I see the organizations grow, as I see the staff blossom, I'm excited to see that and excited to witness that. And finally, I'm also proud to be able to show my daughters and my goddaughter and other women what a successful career journey looks like as defined by me, myself, and I, along with the good and the bad. I love that. You said me, myself, and I. I love, love, love that. And those are excellent reasons to be proud. So it's time for your empowering moment. Now, this is the time that we take a pause so that I can jumpstart your success. We are taking a journey through my book, Embrace Your Power and Go. It's a 30-day journey to help you get out of the starting blocks and start towards the goals that you want to achieve. Now, we are on day 14 of that journey, and each and every day has five focuses to help you make success towards your goal. The first focus of the day is to set an intention. That's an overarching thought that we can begin to anchor ourselves around. The second is a corresponding scripture to help us add our faith to the process. The third is a passage that I personally pinned for you that's curated to help you shift your thinking on the circumstances. The fourth is an affirmation to allow you to begin to speak some meaningful words 
over your life. And then finally, the fifth is a place for you to establish some goals in line with the success superpowers. Now, our overarching thought on day 14 is purpose creates urgency. The scripture for the day is for it is God who works in you to will and to act in according to fulfill his good purpose. And that's Philippians 2 and 13. Now you can imagine that I am really working hard in this passage to energize you, to bring urgency to that which you have been called to do. But let me share with you the affirmation that I share on that day. Daily, I execute my purpose with a sense of urgency and excellence. I am a seed planted in the earth by God. My deposit in the world is necessary. Therefore, I will rise to the occasion, no matter the obstacles in my way. The spirit of God is actively at work in me to do all that he has called me to do. Now, I hope that encourages you because that's the intention of this time. I want to jumpstart you to going for the things that you want to do. And, And if that resonated with you, then I want you to go ahead and put your prime to work because the book is available on Amazon embrace your power and go. Now, more than that, if you know you're ready to take steps forward and you need help prioritizing yourself, your success, and your happiness, then I want to invite you to book a call with me. I want to partner with you to help you get out of the starting blocks and make some forward momentum towards the goals you want to achieve. And you can access my calendar at www.callwithdenise.live and we'll make connection. We'll talk about life, career, and all the things that you value. So grab a time for us. Access my calendar again at www.callwithdenise.live. Okay, so now that we're back, this is the segment that I love to just really hone in on some advice for you. I call it power leader advice, um, really to give to women who may be facing different circumstances, especially in the workplace. So what's your best advice for a woman feeling stretched by transition, opportunity, or pressure to perform? So the first thing I would say is take a moment to pause and breathe. So that's the first thing. And then, so after you've paused and breathed, think about your process for decision-making. So you feel you've been stretched. So you have to decide how you will move forward to decrease the feeling of being stretched. So this this is connected to how you make decisions. So for me, it's through prayer, it's through talking with my family and my squad. So my advice is that you get to, you get to choose the how and the what. Do that. Make that choice. Mm, I love that. What's your best advice for a woman struggling to fit in at work? They find it hard to be accepted or understood. So it's hard to be where you spend most of your time on a weekly basis and not be accepted or understood. 
But unfortunately, this may continue to be the case no matter how hard you try. But as long as they understand and accept that you are exceptional at your job and you get stuff done, that is where you put all of your focus and energy. If you continue to feel like you want to be accepted or better understood and it's not happening, then you have a decision to make on whether this is the place for you. Only you can make that decision. That's a good feedback too. And then what's your best advice for a woman wanting to advance her career and get to the next level? So if you have a boss or an immediate supervisor that's um, invested in your career growth, have a conversation with them about this desire and ask for their advice. Actually, step back. One of the things you have to do is that self-reflection on kind of what it is you desire and where you want to go. Then move to having a conversation with your boss or immediate supervisor. Um, if you don't have a mentor, find one to discuss this with. And then find programs that are geared toward helping women advance in their career. And then finally, I would say, if you find a woman who has advanced in their career, read about them, listen to interviews they've done, and come up with questions to ask them. Then reach out and ask them and have a conversation with them about their career journey. Some may say no, some may say yes. You never know. Yeah, that's that's really good. Really good insight. So now these next 12, I call them power leader skills. And they're just skills that I think women really need um, to have in corporate America in order to just kind of accelerate their career. And so I just want your best advice. You get to pick three numbers between one and 12. And depending on which numbers you select, will be the answers that I'll ask for your advice on. Um, let's go with three. Uh, let's go with six and let's go with eight. Okay. So number three, your best advice on how to make allies in high places. So um, I would say you got to be in those high places, right? So find out how you can get into those rooms where you can have conversations um, with the individuals. It may not be in your organization. It may be through outside networks, um, through different networking events. So my advice would be to get in the rooms where they are. Mm, that's good advice. Um, the next one is your best advice on how to take feedback without taking offense. So most times, I say most because this may not be the case in all times, but most times the feedback is for you and your growth. So take the feedback as this is going to help you grow as a professional, help you grow in your career, and hopefully is not being said in a way to kind of hurt your feelings. It's being said in a way that is for your growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always say find 99 other ways to take it before you take it personal um, mm -hmm. and really <laughs> identify what it is that they're keen on that could be a benefit to you. And so I agree with you. The next one is your best advice on how not to lose themselves by blending away their uniqueness. So only you can be you. And so my advice would be to continue to be you and to find a space 
where you can be you as best as you can. I know they say bring your authentic self to work, but we know as Black women, we can't bring our full authentic self to work, but you can bring your uniqueness. And so make sure that you are bringing you into the rooms, into the conversations so that you don't lose yourself. Mm -hmm. I love that. I have one person give advice and I'll just couple it onto what you said, which I agree with you. I'm not sure they can handle all of my uniqueness, right? But for me, there are a few things that are important to me, right? And so I think you have to identify what your non-negotiables are, right? And and just say, if they can't measure up to these few things that are non-negotiables for me, because there are certain things that without them, I feel incomplete and I feel extremely vulnerable, right? And so- I have to make sure that that's not what I got to blend away. So the things that are just part of who I am, you know, whether it's my hair or my style or my clothes or my jewelry or, you know, there are just certain things that are just markers of me. If those are the things that are really greatly undervalued and unappreciated, then it may not be a good fit. Right. Because it's going to force me have to show up and play show up in a way that makes makes my non-negotiables threatened. Right. Right. But if it's something else that is not on that top three. Right. Uh, Can't do without. Then you're right. You got to figure out how to navigate that. So I think that that feedback is very wise. All right. So here's my podcast closeout questions. I've been asking these for a couple of years now. This really just taps more into your wisdom as we get ready to close out. So what's your life wisdom? What would you tell your younger self about life if you could? It's okay to not know something and say you don't know something. And then it's okay to ask for help. That doesn't make you look less intelligent. Yes, I love to say getting help does not make you weak. It makes you wise. I love that you keyed okay. in on that. All right, what's your love wisdom? What would you tell your younger self about love if you could? Um, You know what? I would share 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. So love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And what I love about that passage, it's about what you do to show up for others. Um, That whole passage is action words that are actionable for you. And so I love that. Thank you for sharing. And then finally, what's your happiness wisdom? What would you tell your younger self about happiness if you could? You define happiness and is what you make of it. Remember to do things that make you happy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's an inside job. So what's next for you and how can listeners get connected with you? So a couple of things. One is I'm on LinkedIn. If you search Jennifer D. McLean, please follow me or connect with me. I also have a blog called Flourishing Fiercely, where I share some of my lessons learned and inspire my readers on each of their own unique paths to flourishing fiercely. So I would love for you to check out my blog at tinyurl.com slash 
Jen MC blog. So J-E-N-M-C-B-L-O-G. Okay, very cool. And just to close out, I have one more thing that I want to say to you. Success looks so good on you. Thank you. You're so welcome. Now, one of the things I talked about very early on in the episode was the value of being resourceful. And I really love how that played out and how Jennifer shared her experiences. You see, one of the things about being resourceful is that you learn to take advantage of the things that are around you. You learn to seize opportunity, to seize moments, to seize experiences and relationships relationships and really work to get the benefit of them to accelerate your success. She had so many examples of where she was resourceful in her journey to get to the place where she is achieving her goals. Now, what I want to offer to you is the opportunity to be resourceful too. I talked a lot about blooming where you are planted, but one of the things that helps you along is your ability to seize the moment. When someone shares with you a lifeline, something that is going to help accelerate your success, you have to grab that lifeline to get to the place that you want to be. I marvel at so many conversations in season two that have talked about the value of a mentoring or coaching relationship. And in this season, in this time where we're talking about career success, That is what I'm showing up to offer women who are ready to accelerate towards their career goals. You see, I help women who want to achieve career success, develop the skills, the savvy, and the momentum to bring it to pass in such a way that will blossom into happiness healthiness, and helpfulness in their lives. I believe that we tap into our satisfaction and our fulfillment when we are happy, when we are healthy, and when we are helpful. And what I want to offer as an opportunity for you is to connect with me. Working with me begins with a discovery call because I want to make sure that I can actually accelerate your success. So when you get on the call with me, I ask a series of questions so that I can get up to speed with where you are and what it is that you want to achieve. Now, in like manner, when your company brings in consultants, they bring them in because they want to get there fast. And the same happens for you when you bring people onto the team of your success journey. You get there faster when you bring the right players onto your team. Accelerating your success happens when you bring in experience, insight, and wisdom. And that is what I offer you. I offer you the opportunity to accelerate your career success by leveraging my experience, my wisdom, and my insight to help you go faster and smarter. So here's how you set up time for us to connect. You go to my calendar, which is accessible at www.callwithdenise.live. When the calendar opens up, you will have a chance to pick a time that works for you. 
at that time, I'm going to give you a call, not my representative, not my team. It's going to actually be me. I'm going to give you a call and we're going to talk about where you are and what you want to achieve. The benefit of the call for you is I'm going to make some recommendations on your best next step. Now, my recommendations may or may not include my services. It really depends on if I am the right person and fit to help you achieve your goals. But nonetheless, you will leverage my experience to determine your best next step. So I want to invite you to get on the computer, get on your phone, pull up my calendar and book a time for us right away. As we get into the end of this year, it's so important that we finish strong for a number of reasons. Where you finish is where you begin. And so you don't want to let up your momentum. You want to keep going fast because the new year boasts so many great opportunities that you want to be in position to seize. So let me help you by booking a time and we can talk more. I am so excited that you joined me this week. I look forward to seeing you next week. And if you haven't subscribed yet, do that now so that I'll be in your lineup on next Thursday. Now, if you love this episode, you're going to want to access the free resource I curated just for you. The Power Leader Toolkit is absolutely free, and it includes three Power Pack career transforming resources that will help you change the game and build the career that you want and deserve. It includes my powerful training, The Seven Habits of highly successful women. Now you can get your hands on this toolkit right now. And as I said, it's absolutely free. You can access it at www.powerleadertoolkit.live. Again, that's www.powerleadertoolkit.live. And of course, I'll be back next week with more power leader strategies to help you transform your career. But until then, remember to always embrace your power and go.